On this podcast, we talk about violent crime that's not suitable for young listeners. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome to the Reform Podcast. This is a true crime policy podcast. I'm your host, Kimberly Dudick. I'm an attorney and advocate for crime survivors and legal reform. We are digging into the Lady of the Dunes mystery from Provincetown, Massachusetts this season. We are going to be talking about DNA and privacy laws. Today, we have a little extra policy issue we're going to be talking about, human trafficking. Last week, we talked about the possibility that the Lady of the Dunes was somehow involved with human trafficking. This week, we're going to explore that a little bit more and talk about why that's a possibility. We're also going to talk about what you can do if you're interested in joining the fight against human trafficking, which is modern-day slavery. First, it's important to develop a common understanding and shared language around what human trafficking is. Until recent years, many times human trafficking was thought of as the same thing as sex work, and previously, they have both frequently been called prostitution under our state laws. So let's talk about this a little bit more. What is sex work? Sex work is when a person voluntarily engages in sexual activity for money. So it's basically commercial sex work. In many states, pursuant to these states' criminal laws, this is legally termed prostitution. And it's against the law to engage in commercial sex work for the most part. It's not legal for somebody to provide those services or for somebody to pay for those services. Now, this is not a podcast where we're going to talk about whether or not sex work should become legalized and prostitution should be stricken from the criminal law books completely. That is a discussion for another time and another podcast. But as far as what we're talking about today... Sex work or prostitution, which is what many of our criminal laws and states call it today, that's why we're using that term, is when somebody voluntarily engages in sexual acts for money. Now the key term there is voluntarily. So keep that in mind now. We're going to turn the coin and talk about human trafficking. Human trafficking occurs when somebody does not voluntarily engage in either labor work or commercial sex work, but is forced to do so through force, fraud, or coercion. And and these are kind of legal terms of art. But what it means is that a person is not voluntarily engaging in work or engaging in commercial sexual activity. We're not going to be talking about labor trafficking because there's no indication that is involved with the Lady of the Dunes case. What we're going to talk about is sex trafficking. Sex trafficking is when somebody engages in sexual acts for money and they do this against their will. The reason it's considered against their will is because they're performing these acts through either force, fraud, or coercion. States have different legal definitions for human trafficking. So we're using the general definitions and generally accepted terms according to the U.S. Department of Justice, 
and other national human trafficking organizations. And that is generally what our state laws are based on. So that's some background on human trafficking. According to the National Conference of State Legislatures, and that is a national organization that assists state lawmakers in learning about different areas, knowing what best practices are when writing laws, and also just being educated about different areas of law. So according to the National Conference of State Legislatures, Washington State was the first state to actually criminalize human trafficking as we know it today. And this occurred in 2003 with the passage of Washington State Law. Since 2003, every state has enacted a human trafficking law establishing criminal penalties for people who engage in human trafficking. A criminal law and consequences, either fines or jail time, for those who are engaging in human trafficking. So when we say engaging in human trafficking, it means that a person is either acting as a human trafficker, and this is typically thought of as somebody's pimp who arranges meetings with clients, or the person is engaging in purchasing that commercial sex that the person is having to engage in against their will. So you have the buyers and the traffickers. Those are the two people that criminal human trafficking laws go after. They don't go after the person who is the human trafficking victim because they are not voluntarily engaging in these acts. So our laws have established a crime for somebody to traffic somebody else, which basically means they're forcing that person to engage in sex acts against their will. Human trafficking laws are not laws that outlaw sex work. So let's be clear about that. We are not talking about voluntary sex work here. We're talking about human trafficking laws that deal with somebody being forced to engage in commercial sexual acts against their will. Somebody is not voluntarily engaging in these sexual acts. Basically, they aren't consenting, they aren't choosing to do it, but they're being forced to do it. Every state's law are a little different around human trafficking as far as the definition of a trafficker, but just think of it as that person's pimp. And also, what the criminal law requires for somebody to be convicted of trafficking or convicted of purchasing that commercial sexual act from a trafficking victim. So that's the buyer. But luckily, since 2003, every state now has some sort of law criminalizing those actions. This includes Massachusetts. Massachusetts, which is where the Lady of the Dunes was discovered in 1974. Human trafficking is a problem in Massachusetts, just as it is in every state. It's a problem that hides in plain sight, and it's a form of modern-day slavery because somebody's being forced to act against their will. The Attorney General's Office in Massachusetts has its own division dedicated to fighting human trafficking by using what's called a multidisciplinary approach. This means that the different law enforcement agencies and victim service groups and other involved entities work together to address the various aspects of human trafficking to try and stop it 
and also help those who have become victims of it. Boston 25 News reported that Massachusetts Attorney General Maura Healey stated that one report estimated there were as many as 900 searches each day where individuals were searching for sex for sale at computer terminals in the city of Boston. So this is something people are searching for. They search through it online. The internet has provided a whole new avenue for people to to find human trafficking victims, to sell human trafficking victims in a way that never occurred before. Human trafficking victims are frequently lured into that kind of work because they're vulnerable individuals, such as children, especially children in or leaving the foster care system. Boston 25 News pointed out that according to the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children, there are more than 100 missing children currently from Massachusetts alone, and many of them are believed to be human trafficking victims. But it is not just children who are human trafficking victims. Many times it's also adults, and that's a possibility that we're talking about with the Lady of the Dunes case. You may be wondering how someone who is the victim of human trafficking actually gets help and gets out of that situation. Well, according to the federal 2020 U.S. Human Trafficking Report at the traffickinginstitute.org, the most common way for a victim of human trafficking to receive help is through self-reporting to law enforcement. Over one-third of cases that were prosecuted in 2020 involved a victim who contacted law enforcement for assistance themselves or who did this contact indirectly through the help of a nonprofit or a hotline. So people who are victims of this are reaching out for help when they can. You may be wondering who is actually doing the trafficking of individuals. So who is acting as their pimp? Many people have the idea that there's some big international gang that's secretly kidnapping people or sneaking them across the border and then making them work in human trafficking. So that does happen. But it's not the most common way that somebody becomes a victim of human trafficking, especially for sex trafficking. That 2020 traffickinginstitute.org report explains many people who are involved with promoting human trafficking, so essentially the people acting as pimps for their victims, are not part of a large-scale human trafficking ring. Instead, they're individuals who operate independently and they exploit vulnerable individuals who they know and have a personal connection with. Only 5% of the human trafficking cases prosecuted in 2020 dealt with a formal organized crime group or gang. The other 95% were individual traffickers acting as pimps and forcing people they knew into commercial sex against their will. Many times these people exploit their own family members for selfish monetary gain. So that's a background of human trafficking, about a 20,000 foot view picture of what human trafficking is, just some of the basics. So let's talk about how this might be related to the Lady of the Dunes. 
because it's not just children who are human trafficking victims, it's adults too. And that's what we're talking about here. The National Human Trafficking Resource Center explains that one of the signs of a human trafficking victim is that a person will frequently somehow be marked as the property of their trafficker. Think about when you're shopping and you have barcodes and they get scanned for you to buy some food. They're marked as property and that is essentially what happens to human trafficking victims. The mark is frequently in the form of a tattoo or a brand possibly. These tattoos say things like daddy, which is another thing that human trafficking victims will frequently call their pimp. Or it will say property of, and then the human trafficker's name. So in this way, these brands show who the human trafficker is and who is behind forcing this person into commercial sex against their will. These tattoos will frequently be in visible spots, such as the forearm of a person. It's not just women also who are human trafficked. Men and boys are also human trafficking victims. But let's talk about the Lady of the Dunes, and we've talked about the state of her body when she was found. Her hands had been removed. So this was done in an attempt to hide her identity. Remember, it's 1974, and if somebody's been arrested, their fingerprints have been in the criminal justice system, which could have led to her identity being discovered. But one of her forearms was also removed. Why remove the forearm? Well, a reason to do this would be that there is some sort of identifying mark on her forearm, such as a tattoo or brand or other mark from her trafficker, which would have led authorities to identify her as a human trafficking victim, which could have led authorities to who the murderer was. So it's not a huge leap to think that the human trafficker who may have had their name tattooed on the person's arm or some other identifying tattoo or mark on there, was also then the person who murdered the Lady of the Dunes. They may have removed the tattoo or brand or mark that was on her forearm, which would have named them and would have solved who the killer is. If the Lady of the Dunes was a human trafficking victim, remember we're talking about 1974, she would not have been identified as a human trafficking victim. As I said before, it wasn't until 2003 that states started passing modern day human trafficking laws, and that was in Washington state. So it wouldn't have even been on the radar of people looking at this case that this person could have been a human trafficking victim. Human trafficking wasn't thought of as it is today. On the last episode, we talked about Whitey Bulger. We talked about how he was involved in many crimes when he was in Provincetown. One of the crimes he was involved in was human trafficking. If we had a board up on the wall with pins and red yarn showing connections, this would be another connection in the case to Whitey Bulger. If the Lady of the Dunes was a human trafficking victim or being forced to engage in commercial sex in Provincetown and Boston mob boss Whitey Bulger 
was running a human trafficking operation in Boston and in Provincetown, then it's very likely that he is somehow connected to the Lady of the Dunes. And knowing Bulger's reputation as a well-known and hard-nosed mobster who was not afraid to take care of people who crossed him, if there was somebody else who brought human trafficking victims to Provincetown to make money off of while Bulger was there, if Bulger found out, he could have taken steps to take care of whatever problem he saw. And in this case, he may have eliminated one of the actors who was part of the problem, which would have been the woman forced to engage in commercial sex acts. But also remember, there were reports that he was seen with somebody who resembled the Lady of the Dunes in Provincetown in the summer of 1974 when she was killed. So it's also possible that Bulger knew the Lady of the Dunes, and if she was a human trafficking victim and had some sort of tattoo or identifying mark on her arm, she may have been a victim of human trafficking that Bulger was organizing. And she was murdered because of this connection to him. We've talked a little bit about how this is a policy and true crime podcast. Well, one of the things... And the main focus that we're going to have this season is really talking more about DNA and state privacy laws. But something else that's a passion of mine, and I've worked on both as an attorney and as a lawmaker, is stopping human trafficking. So if you want to take steps to work against this modern-day slavery, I'd like to give you some practical tools about how to do that. How to possibly change and work towards more just laws in your state to better fight against human trafficking. According to the U.S. Department of State, and their website is really extremely accessible and knowledgeable about this area, there are some things that you can do to recognize and fight against human trafficking. One of the first things you can do is learn how to recognize human trafficking when you see it. So what are some of the red flags that you should watch out for? I'm not going to go into the details of all of this because that is a much longer conversation than we have time for today. But some of the general things to look for is if somebody is living with their employer or if they're in very poor living conditions where they have to live with many unrelated people in a cramped space. Also, if they're unable to speak alone to somebody else if they always have to have somebody with them. When they're talking, they also will frequently use scripted or what sound like rehearsed answers. If somebody is not really aware of where they are or they're not really being forthright about how they got there or where they're living or who they're traveling with, this could also be a red flag for human trafficking. If their employer is somehow holding their identity documents like a passport or driver's license, this is one of the ways that traffickers exert influence over their victims. Also, if somebody has signs of physical abuse, so bruising, or if they seem really submissive and fearful, those are signs of human trafficking. A big one which I want everyone to be really clear about is if somebody is under 18 years of age and engaging in commercial sex work, that person is a human trafficking victim. 
There should be no such thing as a child prostitute. Not all state laws are caught up on that. So you could always check into your state laws and see what they have to say about it. But there should be no such thing as a child prostitute. Anyone who is under 18 years of age and engaging in sex work, they are rightly looked at as a human trafficking victim. We need to protect children and calling them a prostitute when they're being forced to engage in these sorts of acts is not appropriate. So if you notice anything like I just said, it's okay to ask you know some more questions. Don't go harassing anyone. But if you believe that someone may be a victim of human trafficking, you can call the National Human Trafficking Hotline. This is a 24-hour hotline that can be reached at one 888 373-7888. You can also report to your local law enforcement, and you can do this whether or not you believe the person who is a victim is a citizen, because whether they are a citizen or not, they're still entitled to help if they're a human trafficking victim. Something else you can do is to find out who your local, state, and federally elected officials are. It's an easy thing to do anymore. You can search on the internet, put in your state, county, or city, type in elected official and where you are at, and their name should pop up with their contact information. You can then reach out to them and let them know you care about human trafficking and about stopping it. Ask them what they're doing to address it and see if they're willing to do more. You also can use your voice on any social media platforms you have to help raise awareness about human trafficking. You could watch a short documentary and then you could tweet about it. You could post it on some other online media. You can research and share articles about human trafficking, about, about anything regarding human trafficking, and you can also then tag it so that people who are looking up human trafficking issues can find it. You can tag it with something like hashtag human trafficking or hashtag end demand, hashtag stop modern day slavery. There are many things you can do. There's also an event that I've hosted some of and participated in with other groups that I want you to be aware of. These are called red sand events. You can learn more about this by going to redsandproject.org. And you host what is called a red sand event. What will happen is you will get red sand from this organization that they will send you. And you then spread it into the cracks on sidewalks, on roads. And the reason you do that is to raise awareness of how people can fall through the cracks. And then you take pictures of this and you post it on social media at hashtag red sand project. You join the social movement to raise awareness of human trafficking. It signifies people who are falling through the cracks and that we can't forget about them. Now, if you're a parent or you are an aunt or an uncle or grandparent, or if you even just like children, learn what makes young people vulnerable to human trafficking and what steps you can take as an adult to help stop the recruitment of children into human trafficking. As I said before, one very vulnerable group is children in the foster care system, especially when they do what's called aging out of the foster care system. That's when they go from 18 years of age 
and they're especially vulnerable then. So these are just some of the things that can be done to help stop human trafficking. I also encourage you to go to the polarisproject.org and also the nationalhumantraffickinghotline.org to learn more. There are a lot of resources out there, and if you care about this issue, then please get involved however you can. So that's our show for this week. We talked a little about human trafficking and also about how that may tie into Lady of the Dunes. Human trafficking is really a large issue in the United States. It is one of the most profitable illegal industries in the world because people are being sold and people are a reusable commodity. It's not like drugs where you sell it once and it's gone. If you're selling a person and right of access to their body, it is done repeatedly throughout the day. And it's a very profitable industry for those who engage in it. Anything we can do to stop it will help the fight against human trafficking. Stay tuned for next week because we're going to start talking about the DNA laws and privacy and how they intersect with cases like the Lady of the Dunes. Her body was exhumed three times and DNA was extracted from her body and various tests were done. You may have heard of some cases that have been solved through DNA evidence that's been located through using ancestral DNA linkages. Basically, when somebody submits their DNA to a website like 23andMe or Ancestry.com, you're submitting your DNA information as well as all of your relatives to these public databases. We're going to have a conversation about what state laws do to regulate that, what law enforcement can do to access that information, what risks there are, where do you find that balance between wanting to capture people who have engaged in atrocious crimes, but then also wanting to protect the information that is truly the most basic information about us that goes to our very core, our DNA. So where is that balance? We're going to talk about that next week. If you need to reach out or have any information relevant to the Lady of the Dunes, or if you have any questions about human trafficking, it's a passion of mine. It's something I've worked on. I've worked with great teams in different states and throughout the nation on this issue. So if you want to reach out about that, please email us at thereformpod at gmail.com. We look forward to any information you have. And if you have information about the Lady of the Dunes, you can also contact the Provincetown Police Department at 508-487-1212. We want to fully thank and recognize our sources and their work. Without the work of others, this podcast wouldn't be possible. A full list is available on our website at thereformpodcast.com. And we've also mentioned some of them today. Thank you for listening to the Reform Podcast. If you want to support the work we're doing, please rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast on whatever platform you use. We want to reach as many people as possible And you taking that step really helps. Your voice matters. The Reform Podcast is written, researched, recorded, and produced by me, Kimberly Dudick. You can follow the Reform Podcast and stay up to date on Instagram at the Reform Podcast, on Facebook at the Reform Podcast, and on Twitter at the Reform Pod. 
Our theme song is Be Mine by the Missoula, Montana musician Tom Catmull. We are making this show on and around the traditional lands of the Salish, Pondere, Kootenai, Shoshone, Blackfeet, Chinook, and Multnomah peoples, and many other Native tribes. With deep respect, we acknowledge the Indigenous people of the West and throughout the U.S. Wherever you are, thank you for listening. Until next time, keep searching for justice. I didn't mean no bad, darling, when the door locked in my little finger. Walked hand in hand. And that was just the sound of a word or a sticker. My thumb against some wood or something. I, I got nothing planned. And when the room is quiet, it's either one of two religions, joyful noise or a wide open space. The letter pulls you short from a crowded room With your pocketbook in your heart and your mind Out of place Be mine Be mine Be mine Be Is hearing lovers kiss in darkened taverns while mining your home. But when your ears fill twice with chance encounters a charming third, and you'll someday find it stained to your bones. It is particular about company, and it sparks the flame of jealousy in those you hold close. And it has no fear of poverty, the bottle of solace. You see, you are what. It needs most be mine.